Well, hey, uh, like I said, my mom is going to be bringing the word today. My mom is, uh, I can say this, and I'm going to probably make her cry right now, but, uh, but my mom is one of my heroes. I, I tell this story all the time that when I was in middle school, my mom was my middle, my middle school pastor. We had this really cool high school pastor, and he, he played video games. He wore his hat backwards. He was just a cool dude, you know? And I couldn't wait to graduate from middle school to get away from my mom and to go and have this guy as my youth pastor. And right as I was about to graduate in high school, he left the church. And guess who became the new high school pastor? My mom. So my mom was my middle school and my high school pastor. And I can say that uh, the people, the, the students that she had in her youth group are still connected to our family today. She had such an impact in their life. She spoke so deeply into their lives that we still have a relationship with a lot of those students that were in her youth group. And so my mom, uh, she's been a children's pastor, uh, a, a youth pastor. She's been the, the person at the church who, who gets paid peanuts and does everything. Um, but she has served the Lord for years and years and years and taught us all, uh, my siblings and I, how to love the Lord. And so she's going to bring the word today. Would you please warmly welcome my mom, Lavion Barnes. Um, thank you for that. Um, it's been a minute, though. It's been a little bit. I've, uh, I went back to school, and I became a social worker. And what was interesting about that was that I was a family pastor in Vancouver, Washington, and I was uh, doing youth. And as I was doing youth, I was running into a lot of uh, sex addiction, drug addiction, some of these things that were just above a youth pastor's pay grade. And so what ended up happening was I was like, you know what? As I was going to camp, too, I would see these kids at camp, and every time that they were having this, like, intimate time with Jesus, the Holy Spirit would just be stirring up their hearts, and some of them would have, like, just traumatic events that they were working through. And once again, Jesus is the answer, but sometimes there's, there's a biophysical and mental issues, right, that need to be addressed. And so, yes, Jesus can have these encounters, but at the same time, you know, I just wanted to start working outside of the church. So I went back to school at 45. <laughs> was, I was at the college with all the youngins. That's what I call them. Uh, I had a wonderful 19-year-old that adopted me in math um, and helped me get through math. It was traumatic for me. <laughs> math was very hard. And thankfully, uh, some of you guys raise awesome teenagers that will scoop up an older lady and help her with her math. Um, so that was awesome. That's what got me through. And then I ended up graduating at 50 um, years old uh, with my master's in social work. Um, I tell you this story because it was a really, really big deal to get that degree because all through my childhood and all through growing up um, was a little bit of a resting latch with my internal self. Um, and so the Holy Spirit was always speaking great things into my life, but yet I still had a physical and um, history, a trauma history that I had to wrestle with, right? And so just like the scripture says that we don't wrestle against the, the body, we wrestle against the spiritual dark places, right, that have been spoken over us in our world. Some of you guys know my mom. My mom passed away this last February, and uh, I'm, I'm, I was thankful that Blake didn't have me speak on her birthday, which was two weeks ago. <laughs> so we have been able to celebrate and honor her. And so today, 
I'm sharing you this message because this is a little bit of a glimpse into my own little world that I'm doing right now. Even as a mental health professional, as a therapist, how many of you guys think therapists have stuff too? Okay, thank you. Just because we're sitting in the seat across from you doesn't mean we have all the answers. It just means that we've learned, hopefully, how to navigate a little better. How many of you guys have anxiety? Everybody, raise your hand. You are completely lying in church right now. If you are sitting here with your hands down, telling me you don't have anxiety. Every single one of us has anxiety. So for church today, you've been given a stress ball. Okay? This is your stress ball. When you come into Lavian's office, which, by the way, I'm known as Lav, L-A-V, my first part of my name. Um, everybody goes, what? You know, love? And I'm like, no, Lav. It's Lav. So, because kids can never really remember my whole name. So, I asked them to pick a fidget. I have a whole basket. I'm known as the fidget queen because I have, like, all these cool fidgets. Every, I, I buy new ones all the time. So I have a whole big basket of fidgets. And so they sit on my couch and with the basket of fidgets, and they pretty much try to go through it. Some people that have literal OCD, because I am a mental health professional, so I do deal with those. Some of my OT, OCD clients come in and organize it for me. It's really nice. Um, sometimes I purposely mes- mix it up so they have something to do. It's really nice. So what I would like you to do is I gave you this stress ball for a reason. This stress ball, I want you to take out a pen. You might have been given a Sharpie, but it should work with a regular pen because I was working on it at home. I want you to take a pen. I want you to look at your stress ball. Not the one, not the side with the happy face on it. The other side. <laughs> happy face is going to remind you of something later. But on the other side, I want you to write down a feeling or a thought that just keeps kind of like invading Invading your mind. I don't know what it is. So go ahead. Write it down. I'm going to give you some time. Yeah. I'm an interactive youth pastor. pastor. (laughs) I'm an interactive pastor. So I want you guys to like, you guys help me do this message. So I need you to write down whatever thought or a feeling. It could be fear. Like I'm kind of gripped with some fear right now. It could be finances kids, grandkids, write it down, write it on your ball. You guys got it? You have it written on there? Okay, so just hang on to that and massage that baby for a little bit because you're going to, we're going to do something with it. So first thing I want to know is let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews 4.15. I don't know, do I get a PowerPoint? I don't know if I... The PowerPoint I'm looking for is, did Jesus experience trauma and anxiety? Do you think he did? Did Jesus experience trauma and anxiety? Okay, no joke. He did. In Hebrews 4.15, it tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has, in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus became man. He walked on this earth. Jesus understands what it's like to suffer. We do not worship a distant and an unapproachable God. We worship a God that knows what it is to be human because he he became man, right? He became Jesus in every way. There's another scripture verse in Hebrews 2. I have the message version, by the way. 
I love, if I'm going to teach or if I'm going to read, um, I like the message version. You know why? Because it uses the word stupid. <laughs> it uses the word idiot. <laughs> and, and I sometimes need to hear those words. Um, you will learn if you get to know me. I'm pretty raw personality. I kind of like to call things as they are. And so getting too spiritual and using Christianese words kind of kind of ruffles me a little bit. So um, I love Jesus, but I think Jesus spoke plainly. He spoke simply. So um, that's why I like the Message Bible. Um, so in Hebrews 2, 17, it talks about, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for the angel, angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Don't you love that? Jesus actually knows everything that you've gone through or are going through. He experienced it all. I think we forget that. I know I forget that. You know, I just lost my mom. So I'm like, okay, Jesus, what's up here? You know, I know where she's at. I know she's in heaven. I know she's with him. But I'm still frustrated. I'm still sad. I'm still stressed out. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm lots of things, right? I'm happy, but yet I'm really sad. I'm a hot mess sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I just burst out crying. Just something random. Just think about Jesus' life for a moment. He didn't experience just one traumatic event. His time on earth, he, his whole life was filled with suffering. In Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, it tells us of his suffering hundreds of years before his birth. It was even, like, destined. You've been destined to suffer. <laughs> even us. You have been destined to suffer. You know why? Because if you love Jesus... And, and whether you love Jesus or don't love Jesus, you're destined to suffer. Does anybody know why? Because of that Adam guy. <laughs> Adam and Eve, they sinned. Um, they messed it up for all of us. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we probably would have chosen the same thing. Don't you deny it. So he tells us of his sufferings hundreds of years before his birth. In Luke 2, 1 through 7... He was born into unimaginable poverty in a country occupied by a cruel army. Why was he born in Bethlehem? Why was he born in a trough? He was that poor. His family was that poor. There was no room. We know the, the, the I almost said the Easter story, the, the Christmas story. <laughs> then he narrowly escaped a mass slaughtering of children that was ordered because of his birth which was in Matthew 2.16. He was physically assaulted by Satan in Matthew 4.1 through 11. You can read this all on your own. Just jot it down if you want. If you want my notes, you can have them. Persecuted because of his teachings in Luke 4.28 through 29. He was thought insane by his own family in Mark 3.21. Think about that for a minute. Wow. He was betrayed by his own disciple. We all remember who that was. Do we remember who that was? That was in Mark 14. 
He was deserted by his friends. Remember that story, denied, denied, denied Jesus three times. Publicly humiliated. He was beaten to the point of death, and then slowly and painfully publicly ex executed by crucifixion as a common criminal in Matthew 27, 33 through 39. So, in summary, looks like my PowerPoint's hit and miss here. We can take great comfort in the fact that God can relate to us on our level. He understands what it is to suffer. He was betrayed. He was taunted. He was mocked. He was accused. He was spit on, stripped naked, and beaten. So out of anybody, I think Jesus has a lot to say about my trauma. My trauma does not equal Jesus' trauma. And I also want to clarify, my trauma doesn't equal your trauma. Trauma, I want to give a little blurb of what trauma is. Some of us discount other people's traumas. Um, a family pet dying versus a family member dying is equivalent to significant trauma. Um, a dog that's dying or a cat Something like that could be really traumatic for people because it is their family member versus a mother and a father or a sibling. So we don't get to discount other people's traumas. Hopefully we have ears to hear, eyes to see, a mouth slow to speak, and listen to other people's stories and make room and make space for their stories. It's really important that we do that. One of the ways that we can deal with our anxiety How's your ball doing? Our ball, this one, I, I guess I'm going to need my glasses for this one. So I have on a, I don't know if the PowerPoint's up, but in 2 Corinthians 10, you might want to turn there because it's going to look different in your Bible. Once again, I'm using the message. But this is a scripture verse that you might want to have highlighted in your Bible because this tells you how to get rid of stress and anxiety and depression. This verse right here is at least a starting point. 2 Corinthians 10, and in the message, it's 5 through 6. You'll love the message version because this is really good. The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for, sma God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Here's my favorite part. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. I'm going to say that again. Did you guys catch that? In some versions, it says capture your thought. You're to capture every single thought that's not of God. You're supposed to stop it dead in its tracks. And you're supposed to deal with that thought. How hard is that? Super hard. Super hard. But God says he gave this. He gave this, this we can do this. He did it. He did it. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand 
for cleaning the ground of every obstruction and building lives, obedience into maturity. Did you know that the more you capture your thoughts, that that's how you grow, grow maturity in Christ? That's what grows you up. When you are a baby, you're exactly a baby. You're, I didn't get that. I didn't want, Mom, I want that. That's not fair. It's all this, ah. But as we grow older, we learn that we have to have self-control. We learn that we have to use our words nicely. We learn to be patient. We also learn how if we don't use our words nicely, there's consequences of that, right? Some of us, that's the trauma. So how many of you guys, let's see, who'd like to throw, how about one of you guys throw me your ball? That was a good one. That was too fast. Okay, I clearly didn't capture that thought. So the thoughts. Okay, grandkids. Hmm. I can, I'm going to just maybe use your example as mine. Or would you like to? What's your thoughts on grandkids? Love them. But what's the anxiety about them? So there's maybe a fear. Would you say that there's a fear? Challenge and a fear. So there's a fear. Like as much as Helen loves her grandkids, the enemy's camped out right there, waiting for her, right, to go down the, the, the journey of fear of what if this, what if that, what if that, you know, what if so-and-so, oh, the way that they're behaving, oh, my goodness, ah. You know, instead of being the grandmother that I know Helen is, and like I am, is in the name of Jesus, silence. Silence right now in the name of Jesus. You know what? This grandchild is exactly that, my grandchild. Lord, I serve you. I love you. You are my God. Guess what? And I'm proclaiming that grandchild to be yours in Jesus' name. I'm going to steward this little one. I'm going to steward their mom and dad. (laughs) Now, I'm going to love and serve their mother and dad to show them that I care about them and care about this grandchild. But best guess what? In the background, what am I doing as a grandmother? I'm proclaiming the word of God over my child, my grandchild, just like I proclaim the word of God over Blake. I can't tell you how many times that happened. <laughs> it, he turned amazing, but it was a lot. Of, I anointed his bed with oil. I anointed his forehead with oil while he was sleeping. I prayed in tongues in the room. I, I prayed over tongues on his bed. I did, I mean, if I felt and I sniffed something yucky, I called it the yuckies. If I felt like there was something yucky going on, guess what? That's when my full personality came out of warrior, Xena warrior. <laughs> and I just, I believe God gave me that personality for a reason, and that's where I would use it. It was like the enemy is does not know who he's messing with. And maybe he did, which is why he was trying to challenge every single piece of me because if you want to mess with me, you mess with my kids or my grandchildren. That's, you know, I try to be a Christian, but <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. So who's got another thought? Toss me another one. <laughs> I'm not a very good catcher. I almost didn't wear a dress because of that. So, okay, here's another one. Anger. Talk to me. Who threw the anger? So what's this thought of anger? (laughs) 
on up here. No, you won the grand prize. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Oops. Not awesome that she's dealing with anger. But this is why I felt God was stirring my heart to share this word because I'm angry too right now. Yeah. So I get that. But the, mo- the moment you get this anger stirred up, guess what? I learned something as a mental health professional. Anger is a symptom of being hurt or afraid. So if you are one cantankerous person, that means you've got some big hurts. And that means you are pretty darn afraid. So I want you guys to know that. Like, if you have somebody that's super angry in your world, I want you to think of them childlike. Think of them childlike right now. Think of them as a little boy or as a little girl. And they have a lot of fear. They're afraid. And they've been really, really hurt. Now, I tell you this not to give you an excuse or give them an excuse to keep treating you poorly, right? I'm not saying that. But I'm giving you a different perspective of how Jesus sees them. So if you have a lot of anger or you're experiencing a lot of anger or encountering a lot of anger, just remind yourself that it's a symptom of this person is super hurt or I'm super hurt. I'm angry right now because my mom died. I wasn't done. We were not done. We were just getting started. Some of you don't know her story, but my mom and I reunited a few years ago and worked in building our relationship back up, and it was just becoming glorious. It was just becoming redeemed. And so I feel really ticked off, right? But at the same time, as much as I feel ticked off, I'm in love with Jesus, right? That song Worthy that we just sang wrecks me, just wrecks me. One more. Oh, let me grab the one that I missed. It's a blue one over here. This thought's hiding. (laughs) This thought's hiding from me. Um... You can't, you won't, you should, you would, right? Who's this, this one? Talk to me about that one. This is perfect. In mental health profession, we call that cognitive distortion. More simply, teenager verbs, stinking thinking. <laughs> That's how I dumb it down in my, for my teenagers. Stinking thinking. We get stinking thinking. Why do we get stinking thinking? Does anybody know? We get stinking thinking because we start looking from that lens. We start believing the lie, Right? We start believing that you can't do this. We won't be able to do this. That's why I didn't go to back to school until I was 45. I believed a lie. I believed that I was not academic. I believed that I would never do this. I would never be able to do that. I would never be able to, you know, be this kind of a person. I believed all of those lies. Eventually, as the kids were teenagers, I was like, I started realizing that's a lie. 
I'm not going to believe this lie anymore. One, because I started becoming more mature as a Christian. I started capturing the thoughts. I started analyzing the thoughts and started looking at this thought. Is this thought, what's this thought doing for me right now? That's literally what you can do with a thought. Is you think a thought, you look at this thought and go, how is this thought serving me right now? I don't know. It's an endless, endless rabbit trail. The thought could be the thought of me, like you, like I can never, I will never be able to do this, or I can't, I won't. I had to just say, wait a second. I had to renew my mind to the mind of Christ. Because Christ says, I can do all things through him. He gives me strength. And I can do it through him. And so I guess I'm going to need I'm going to need to abide in him because, first of all, I don't know how to do it on my own strength. I don't even know where to start. But if I serve him and love him, he's going to show me the way. I have a little saying on my forehead. I don't know if you can read it, but it's a ticket taker that goes through. Can you read it? It says, do the next best thing. Do the next best thing. Just do the next best thing. Can you read it now? It's on my face do the next best thing. If we don't capture every thought, I don't know if the, it's working at all. Kind of sort of. This one is the blue screen that says, if we don't capture our thoughts, this is what happens. We end up having, they're such cool slides. <laughs> okay, so we end up having exhausted anxiety we end up having overwhelmness, loneliness, fatigued, um, overload. We end up having angst, panic, um, family disgruntles, headaches. Guess what? When we don't start capturing our thoughts, it starts manifesting physically in our body. Did you guys know that? There is a wonderful book out written, The Body Keeps Score. It's not a Christian book but it's a definitely a really good book that talks about how every single thing that you hang on to, the body is only capable of hanging on to so much. And if you're not able to release some of those things out of the body, it manifests within sickness. I find it super cool, though, that Jesus, he's all about healing the sick. And it's not about just your physical being, but it's about your mental and your emotional being as well. He's all about those things. He wants to take care of those things. He wants to make an exchange. He wants you to trade your sorrow for what? How many of you guys even know what joy is? I'll leave that one sit. God's reminding his people in Isaiah 41.10. He says, in summary, I'm going to read you the actual verse, but if you can just remember this. Jesus says, I got you. I got you. I pulled you in from all over the world. I called you in from every dark corner of the earth, telling you you are my servant, serving on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you, I'll hold you steady, keep a firm grip on you. Isn't that awesome? He's got us. I got you, God. I got you, love. I'm going to read to you another passage. This one I have to have my glasses because it's so small on my paper. 
This is on Romans 12, too. If you want to flip over there, you're welcome to. But I'm reading it out of the message, which is why I have them all up on these wonderful slides that are not working. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture or to your anxiety or depression. Don't become so well-adjusted that you can't do this or won't do that or your fear or your anger. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into without even thinking. I'm just a person with anxiety. I can't do this. One of the worst things, I'll tell you as a mental health professional, about anxiety. Anxiety, you naturally want to pull away and isolate, but it's the worst thing that you can do. One of the best things for anxiety is working through your anxiety. We all experience anxiety, but what's different about each and every one of us is how we manage it. And it's just about learning the tools on how to manage our anxiety. Anxiety fuels depression. Depression fuels anxiety. They love each other. They're married. They're committed. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. How many of you guys are quick obeyers? <laughs> nice. Some of you guys are more better obeyers. I was not a quick obeyer. I've, I struggled with obeying. I still struggle with quick obeying. I try to negotiate with God. Do you guys try to negotiate with God? Okay. I'm not, so I'm speaking to the right crowd. God doesn't want us negotiating. Do you want your kid negotiating with you for every little thing? If your kid's jumping out of the car and going to run across the street, do you want them negotiating with you? No. You want to yell, stop. And you don't want them to turn around and look at you and go, ha, 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 and run anyway. Right? We don't want that. What happens to a little kid that does that? They die. They die. That's how vital it is for us to obey the word of God. I'm preaching to myself <laughs> because I'm not a good obeyer, but in Jesus' name, I am becoming a good obeyer. I do not, be, I do not need to be counted to three. I am a 50 well, 54-year-old on this Thursday. I'll, I'm a 54-year-old grown-up who can say yes to Jesus because I trust you. You've got me. That's what he wants us to say. So if you don't think of yourself as a child of God, you need to become a quick obeyer because you might die. Seriously. Here's the key to listening to Jesus, because some of us need to kind of like learn, well, how do I listen to Jesus? How do I obey him? It's in Proverbs 1, 33. This one, I switched up my version a little bit, not the message. It's the new Passion Translation. It's just fun. These are not study versions of the Bible, and I know that, okay? Just so you know. Just some of you theologians out there. What the heck is she get fruity translations? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
if you were studying the Word of God, you, you kind of use some other different versions, but this is for my everyday living, and this is how I hear, so you're getting to hear how I hear. Proverbs 1, 33. But the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in heavenly place, in heavenly peace, free from fear, confident and courageous. That one will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. Yeah. Proverbs 1, 33. We need to memorize this. I, I wrote this on a three-by-five card and personalized it. I am one who always listens to God. I am striving to live undisturbed in my heavenly peace, free from any of my fears, confident and courageous. I will rest unafraid in the shelter of my daddy. Try not to make yourself cry. I have just a couple more here. I have this one. I don't know this. If you don't see this slide, it's not going to make sense. So maybe I should skip it. It's a triangle. If you're writing any notes, it's a triangle. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. It's what I practice every day. The triangle at the top is for thoughts. The corner is for behavior, and another one is for emotions. The whole point of therapy and what I practice is um, taking a thought captive. You guys, your balls are great examples. Throwing me a thought, taking that thought, looking at that thought, and then we turn around and we, we analyze that thought. How does this thought make me feel? And then how does this thought make me behave? When I'm afraid, what do I do? What's my actions? Own it. When I'm afraid, I, I get loud. I know I'm loud right now, but I'm, I kind of am afraid. So, But when I'm afraid, I get big, like a bear. I get kind of bossy and kind of aggressive as a woman um, because I feel like I'm not being heard or I feel like I need to be louder in order for you to hear me, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. But I know that about myself. <laughs> I know that about myself, so guess what? Um, I'm taking, when I get afraid, knowing that about myself, I'm trying to change my actions. So what do you think would be the logical thing for me to do? Just throw it out there. Go quiet, right? Make myself go quiet. So that's exactly what we do. That's what cognitive behavioral therapy is, is when you recognize that, uh-oh, I've got this thought or I've got this feeling, and you know that you got it, and then you got to turn around and do something that's not normal. It's not normal for me to go quiet. But in order for me to change my thinking and my feelings, I need to change my behavior first in this situation. Sometimes you need to th change your thinking first. Sometimes you need to change your feeling first. In therapy, with cognitive behavioral therapy, sometimes the, th the phrase, fake it till you make it, is very useful. Go out for a walk when you don't feel like walking. If you're depressed, go for a walk. Go outside, get dressed, walk outside. If it's in your flip-flops, your sweats, tank top, go for a walk. Because just going for the walk, you did, you did an action. By the time you come back in, you're going to be a little proud of yourself. 
because you weren't motivated, but you made yourself do it. That's the whole point about cognitive behavioral therapy. Guess what? The Bible is filled with cognitive behavioral therapy. How many times does Christ tell us to do this when you feel like this? There's that famous passage about how our spirit wants to do all these wonderful and great things for Jesus, right? But we wrestle with our flesh. Not me. Right? Jesus is constantly speaking to the spirit, and he wants you to bust a move. Bust a move. And then I'm going to end with this. I can't, every message that I share, I try to share my life verse because it kind of wraps up who I am and what I'm all about. It's Romans 5, 1 through 5. And this is, this is Lavion. That's what I want on my headstone, by the way, kids. Okay. Um, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for me, I'm personalizing it. He wants to set me right with him, make me fit for him. I have it all together with God because of Jesus. And that's not all. I throw, we throw open our doors to God. I give you all of me. And discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to me. I find myself standing where we, I always hoped I might, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting out praise. Here there's more to come. I continue to shout out our, my praise even when I'm hemmed in with my troubles because I know that when my troubles, if I'm hemmed in with them and I turn to Jesus, they develop passionate patience within me. And how that patient in turn forges tempered steel of virtue. Keeping me alert for whatever God will do next in me. In alert expectancy such as this, I will never be shortchanged by God. Quite the contrary. I will, I can't round, he will not, well, here I got to back up. Quite contrary, we can't round up enough contrast to hold everything God generously pours into my life through the Holy Spirit. I think of it this way. If I'm only willing to give God so much, it's like, have you guys ever played poker? You're not going to admit that in church. Okay. <laughs> Play poker. But you ante up, right? We only ante up what we think we can afford to ante up with, Right? And then sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But God wants us to give it all. He wants us to just push it all in the middle. He wants us to abandon. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to put to rest things that we need to put to rest. He wants us to be all in. He wants us to forgive with abandonment. What does that even mean? All I know is that I'm still working on the forgiveness to abandonment. Abandonment, forgiveness. Reverse that. And I know that the more I forgive, the more I give to Jesus, he is swinging wide heaven's doors. 
and I'm standing right where I need to be standing in him, ready to be glorified, ready to praise, ready to give, ready to love, and be all that I need to be. And within my field, that's exactly what I do. I don't get the privilege of speaking about God in my sessions because I work for the county. But what I do get to do is pray over my office, pray over my couch, my chairs, pray over myself, set the room, okay, Jesus, this is a hard one. You know the story here. It's grievous. I don't even know where to begin with this one. Lord, I know that I need to do this in you and you only. So, Lord, help me speak to this. Get me in the inside road. Make this 50 minutes the most effective 50 minutes this person has encountered. Because this might be all I have. They might not come back. They might come. And, Lord, make their hearts willing to do what they need to do. Lord, make their hearts willing to capture every thought. Did you know unbelievers can capture thoughts? Did you know unbelievers can grow in Christ? Ah, yeah, they can. Because he's making them ready. He's making them ready. So right now, I want to just go ahead and end with a prayer. Let's just close our eyes. Father, right now, I just pray over every single person here today. Lord, you know their thoughts. You know their feelings. And you definitely know their behaviors. And Lord, you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Lord, right now, I just pray that you would help remind them that they can capture every thought and lay it at your feet that they can be quick obeyers and learn how to obey quickly and the first time. Lord, that they are willing and obedient to walk out whatever you're asking them to walk out. Lord, that you would help them remember to make space for other people and their stories. Lord, that we would have a spirit and a heart for grace for one, one another. And Lord, I just pray that a peace will pass every single person's understanding in this room when they encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen.